Welcome to the Vince Salerno Podcast, episode 65. Again, I'm back. I'm here. I'm on a roll. I am trying so hard to stay consistent with the show, um, something that I've struggled with for a while, but um, I'm really, really putting my uh, putting my foot down on that and, and sticking with it. So here we are. Uh, as always, I'm your host, Vince Salerno. Um, of course, if you guys haven't, check out episode 64, which I released last week with my wife, Kate Salerno. We talked about um, a new, the new uh, the new look, the new mission, uh, the new theme for this podcast, which is not just about movies and movie news, but about the culture, fighting the culture, um, or not fighting the culture, but shaping, reforming the culture, um, promoting the good, uh, true, and beautiful, and uh, finding ways to promote the alternatives where we can. So before we begin, I wanted to uh, uh, briefly touch on... Um, what I've watched recently, as we always do. I've only watched one new movie that I wanted to talk about, um, and I've been watching a show that I, I want to talk about, but uh, the movie is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. And I loved it. It wasn't woke. It was fun. It was energetic. It was, dare I say, it's it's Shrek meets Into the Spider-Verse, which I think, I'm thinking a lot of people have been saying, but it's true. The, the, the animation is so dynamic and so engaging and so fun. And the, and the storytelling is just imaginative. And I, I, I never saw the first Puss in Boots. Wasn't really a huge fan of the character in all honesty. I, not just, I didn't hate the character. It just wasn't my favorite in the Shrek universe. But this movie made me a fan. I, I love the film. I love the character. And I love the story about how you have one life. And it is, it is enough to live one life. And to live it well, uh, it's a great, great film, and it—I <laughs> love that it um, teased out uh, Shrek Five. That was that was really fun to see. So yeah, if you haven't seen Puss in Boots: The Last Wish, check it out. It is absolutely worth your time. It is a great reintroduction into the the Shrek franchise. Animation is beautiful. The story is fantastic. Uh, my wife and I—we both loved it. We had a blast. And uh, the show that I wa- I've been watching with my wife, um, I watch everything with my wife. If you haven't tell, if you can't tell, uh, we've been watching Friends. It's her favorite show, and we just got we're in, we're halfway through season three. And uh, spoilers: Ross and Rachel are taking a break, and it's the most anxiety filling, dramatic thing <laughs> I've ever watched. And it's just two people going through a breakup, but it, it's just, it, they, they make you feel so bad for Rachel and feel so disgusted by what Ross did, but at the same time make you feel bad for Ross because you know he regrets what he did and everybody else is like stuck in in, in uh, Monica's room trying to figure out what happened. Oh my gosh, I never thought I'd see the day that I'd become such a passionate Friends fan, but guys, the show is so good. <laughs> a great comedic and dramatic storytelling. Um. It, it, it's not a good episode to go to bed on it. It was, it was sad. It was very sad. I would recommend watching, a, you know, something happy before you go to, if you're going to watch that with your uh, loved one before going to bed. It's a sad episode. It is so gut-wrenchingly sad. But I, I love the show. Um, I can't wait to watch the other, um, what, six seasons? I think there are nine seasons in total. Yeah. Uh, so first and foremost, we're going to talk about the Mandalorian season three trailer. 
Now, a lot of people I've been talking about how they don't think that at least they they personally are not invested in the Mandalorian anymore or Star Wars anymore. To a lot of people, Star Wars is dead. And I completely understand that opinion. I'm not saying you're wrong to have that opinion. But me personally, the way I see it, the only Star Wars worth talking about, worth discussing, worth seeing is the Mandalorian. Anything involved with Jon Favreau, Dave Filoni, those guys clearly know what they're doing. Um, just to update you on the Star Wars front, because I follow this stuff, but I haven't really reported on it or talked about my opinions on it. But what I'm hearing is that uh, Kathleen Kennedy is on her way out. Uh, I've heard from uh, multiple people, not I'm not claiming to have sources, but I just heard from like rumors out there that she apparently has reached an agreement to exit the company um, around the time of Indiana Jones. It's going to be her her swan song, her finale. Um, I do believe there is hope that Indiana Jones will be Indiana Jones Five will be a great movie, if not just a good movie. We'll see, but um, that's good because I think she is part of the problem. And I'm not saying that Kathleen Kennedy is not a person who has a storied career and legacy, but she clearly is not cut out for running a studio and clearly her, her personal um, agendas have gotten in the way of just good storytelling. So I think uh, this is a good thing, not just for her and her legacy, because right now it's kind of tarnished, but to save Star Wars, this is a good thing. So from what I heard, Mandalorian season three is supposed to be a journey for um, Mando and Grogu to reunite through, you know, slowly throughout the series. They had actually had to incorporate some episodes from Mando season three into Book of Boba Fett because of uh, allegedly some studio meddling on Kathleen Kennedy's part. Um, John Favreau apparently lost control of the show, and as a result, he had to uh, pad it out with um, the Mandalorian, unfortunately. Um, but it is what it is. A lot of people are also upset about. Gina Carano being gone from The Mandalorian. That's part of the reason why The Mandalorian and Star Wars in general is just dead to them because to them, who cares? Who cares if um, who cares if uh, the show is coming back? Who cares if Favreau and Filoni are still are the good guys trying to save Star Wars? If, you know, a genuinely beloved character is not allowed to stay because of wrong opinions, excuse me, then... Um, then what's the point? Well, I don't really see it that way. Um, I, I still believe in The Mandalorian. I still uh, want to support this story as long as it stays, as long as it remains the best Star Wars content we have. The second it becomes woke, you know, I will be dropping it. But um, there, there's a lot of factors as far as why people are dropping Star Wars, but I remain optimistic. I'm a I'm a hopeful optimist in all things. And frankly, I think Mandalorian has a chance to revitalize the Star Wars brand again, the way it did with the first and second season. Now, I know there are a lot of mixed responses for Andor. I have not seen Andor. In fact, after hearing the Trump comments about the show from one of the actresses, I decided not to watch it. Um, and then I heard that um, in the show... Uh, according to Tony Gilroy, Mon Mothma is like a Nancy Pelosi, which you, you picked like the worst role model to base Mon Mothma off of. Um, so 
that turned me off immediately, but I did hear from some close friends who I trust that the show is actually very good. Um, has a mess has a message and a intent as a result that was not necessarily intended per se by the viewers. So I may actually end up giving Andor a chance. I, I, I think I'm going to at least watch the first couple episodes, see what I think. Um, and then maybe I'll do a review on it. I'm not, I'm not too sure if I will, but um, either way, you'll figure out, you'll know for sure whether it's like from a tweet or from a video or from my podcast if I enjoyed Andor or not. But let's get into the season three trailer for The Mandalorian. So the trailer uh, mostly looks like it's going to focus on the Mandalorians who are a divided people finally coming together and uh, Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, possibly being the one to unite all Mandalorians and potentially be you know, you know, he started out this story as being a lone gunslinger, and now he may end up being uh, the leader of the Mandalorians. Or maybe there's some some way he can uh, mend his relationship with with uh, Bo-Katan, and uh, he can pass the the leadership role on to her, which I think is a much more likely thing that's going to happen because she's a character that's been in the cartoons and in, in the cartoon sh- series Clone Wars. And she's wanted this more than anybody from what I've seen. So I think, I think that's a good way to go for the story. If I'm, if I'm being completely honest, that's kind of what I'd like to see <clears throat> as far as whether it'll actually happen. We'll see. I, I mean, John Favreau and Dave Filoni have a great way of surprising us, even despite our numerous guessing and speculating. I mean, I, I thought that if we were ever going to see Luke Skywalker in the Mandalorian, it would be at, in like the final season, whenever they decide to end the show, where Grogu finally was able to be united with the Jedi who'd want to train him, and it would be Luke. But they ended up doing that in season two, and now Luke is is now and forever ingrained in this new Star Wars um, cinematic universe, which, frankly, I love. I love that that we're getting uh, the original characters back in some capacity, even if the CGI is not perfect. Um, I think in Boba Fett they found a way to make it even better than what it initially was. So I I am more than happy to to get more as long as this technology is not taken to uh to extreme lengths, which I'll get into uh, in later episodes how I feel about um like AI and uh digital de-aging and uh digital recreation of actors at technology. Um there's some good and bad I think that comes with that. Um, just scrubbing through the trailer right now. Obviously, again, Grogu is back with uh, with Din in the Naboo Starfighter. Gosh, I love that ship. I, I love the Razor Crest, but I gotta say, I, I thought to myself, there is no way they're going to come up with a ship that is even cooler, even more fun and engaging and awesome to see in action than the Razor Crest. But they, they gave us an old classic, they gave us a spin on an old classic, and they gave us the Naboo Starfighter, and oh my gosh, I love it. I love it so much. If I have a son, I am definitely going to get all these ships from Star Wars and hang them on his ceiling so that he can have a little, uh, I don't know, galactic starfight in his room. Um, I hope my wife's okay with that. We'll see. <laughs> So the trailer, uh, I'm scrubbing through the trailer, and uh, we're going to make a uh, visit to, I believe the planet's called Navarro, um, where 
he originally resided. Uh, we're going to, to revisit Grief Karga, Carl Weathers' character. Um, as far as whether the fate of Cara Dune is going to be revealed in this show, I don't know. I'm sure they're just going to say something like, oh, she she's off doing other things. And they're going to leave it at that. Uh, I don't really think that they're going to say, oh, she died a horrible death. I don't think they're going to do that because that would be horrible. Um, and I've heard rumors that uh, there is a secret comeback being planned for Gina Carano to return in this in this series. Not for this particular season, but maybe next season. So maybe she comes in a post-credit scene during the series and we would talk about her return to the to the Star Wars universe. And maybe she doesn't get the shows that she was supposed to have, but at least maybe she'll get um, to be a regular in Mandalorian. Uh, you know, who knows? But, but, you know, like if you don't know my stance on that, it is that Gina Carano was wronged by Lucasfilm, wronged by Kathleen Kennedy, and the, the reason why she was fired is apprehensible and unacceptable. Um, it was absolutely ridiculous situation. But I'm glad to see uh, Carl Weathers back. He's a great actor and, and a great he's a great fit in this world. And I love that his outfits keep getting more and more ridiculous as the series goes on. One interesting thing that this show is going to do, as the trailer points out, is that uh, Din is going to return to Mandalore, which I don't think we've seen Mandalore in live action, except for the um, the destruction of Mandalore and that flashback with uh, the Empire basically turning it to shreds. I think that was Mandalore, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that was a pretty intense scene. Um, very, very... Um, very well done Star Wars, if I have to be honest. Um, you get some really cool shots of a, a um, wrecked and ruined Mandalore. Uh, looks like Dino's going here to um, sort of be cleansed of his sins. Um, in, in many ways, it's like a baptism. Um, renewal via baptism, renewal via confession. Um, a very Catholic thing, which I always like the Catholic symbolisms in here. And those universal... Um, religious truths that we see in all these things, especially in Star Wars, which, you know, is ingrained in the story, whether you like it or not. I, I, I love these types of things. These, uh, these strugglings with um, past sins, past mistakes, and learning to accept them um, and remove the baggage and, and move on with your life. Um, it's a very powerful thing, something universal that, you know, even I can relate to, to some degree. We're all sinners. We've all made mistakes and we all need to be cleansed of that. But I, I think what's interesting about this is, this is a, um, uh, Din belongs to a certain sect, a certain belief of Mandalore. And there is definitely like, uh, the, the Mandalorians are a, uh, a group of people who are divided. And who are they? What do they stand for as a, as a universe, as a, as one people, it's going to be very important. So you're going to see, I'm sure you're going to see another Mandalorian war, uh, civil war, and that'll be the determining factor of, okay, who who stays with who and who, who's right, who's wrong, how do we go about this, what do we do? So um, I'm I'm excited for that because that's that that brings a lot of drama and stakes to the character's journey, a journey that we've been following since season one. I just love this character. I love the simplicity. But the depth at the same time. Um, I was talking to my wife about this a couple of days ago. This story is very is a very simple story if you think about it on the surface level. But there is a lot of depth 
going on underneath the helmet, for lack of a better term. <laughs> um, and that's why the show is so amazing, because Star Wars is not a complicated story, but within that simplicity, there is com human complexity, human emotions, human reactions to, to all these different things going on. So, so yeah, I... It's why I love Star Wars so much, and it's why I love this this story in Star Wars, because it harkens back to the original trilogy and that type of storytelling that we've kind of lost in uh, in, in this modern Star Wars era. Uh, we've lost the ability to do something that's really simple, but also very soulful and, and, and full of depth and human emotion, human... Um, Basic human reactions, basic human instincts, as I like to say. So let's keep scrubbing, scrubbing through this trailer. We see that looks like R5, who made his debut in the original Star Wars, is going to be the uh, the official uh, droid with um, Grogu and Din. So maybe he becomes their new partner. I'm sure that's a move to sell um, R5 toys. So we'll see how that happens. Um there's a lot of speculation as far as whether this series is going to connect to the sequel trilogy. There have been rumors that it's going to um, acknowledge those events, and there are rumors that it's going to, that through the Ahsoka series coming out in a couple couple months, that it's going to actually retcon the sequel trilogy to its own Elseworld what-if scenario, and that will kind of give us a blank slate for maybe a redo of the sequel trilogy. Um, I don't know if that's entirely possible. It's something I'm very hopeful about because while I don't hate everything about the sequel trilogy, it was definitely a failed attempt to regain the magic of Star Wars. It started out very promising with The Force Awakens and it was quickly um, it, it, it was quickly ruined by The Last Jedi. And then embarrassingly cobbled together in the rise of Skywalker. So I think some, some form of a redo would be interesting. The thing that I like about this new Mandalorian universe also is that it ties very well to the past and the future. Um, there are little things that they acknowledge from uh, the sequel trilogy, but nothing major, but they really, really dig into the past and the clone wars and the Jedi order Grogu is intrinsically tied to the Jedi Order, as we've seen in flashbacks. And there's there's rumors, based on one clip in here of, of the Jedi Order that we see, that the show is going to um, that the show is going to uh, show us who saved Grogu, and if and it it might be uh, a Jedi that um, we ha we we know, maybe someone we don't know. Um, it could be. Heck, it could be Obi-Wan Kenobi himself. Maybe Ewan McGregor shot a cameo or something. I mean, that's doubtful because we know where he was for all those events. But uh, it's very interesting. Um, Grogu's origin, and we don't know much about it, but it's a very interesting um, thing to explore. So that clip has brought upon, brought upon a lot of speculation. So I'm excited to see what happens with that. Um, again, as I've said... There are clips of uh, Mandalorians seemingly at war with each other or at war with another. Maybe this is Din uniting the Mandalorians and they're all going to battle together. We see uh, uh, John Favreau's um, Paz Vizsla character 
touting his giant gun and jetpack shooting away at something. Um, we also see other Mandalorians fighting each other, and we see the return. <laughs> One way they acknowledge the sequel trilogy is bringing back um, Babu Frick, who was maybe one of the funniest characters from the, the sequel trilogy. Um, so that's cool. I don't mind Babu Frick coming back. They, I mean, if they still want to retcon the sequel trilogy, they can still keep Babu Frick in the uh, in the lore. And then the last thing we see in this trailer is uh, Grogu looks like he's about to be attacked by some some monsters, uh, some monster in a cave, and you're like, oh no, Grogu, no, don't hurt Grogu. He's got it. Guys, he's got it, because he's going to use his force powers that he learned from Luke to kick some butt. So it's cool to see. It's cool to see Grogu is developing and learning, uh, and that he has a uh, grasp on some semblance of his powers to defend himself and possibly defend uh, Din. So as the series goes on, I think it'll be really exciting to see how Grogu develops as a character. And because he ages, you know, his species, as we've learned from Yoda, ages very differently. You know, he's only 50 years old, but he's still a baby or a child. This is a character that we could we could follow for years to come, potentially even in some like post sequel trilogy films that are allegedly happening. Um, we'll see if that happens. I'm not sure. I'm not totally convinced it will, but we'll see. We'll see. That's the last thing we end on. So there's again a lot of promise, a lot of vagueness to the this trailer. Um, we don't really get much information as far as we get hints of the story. Obviously, we don't know exactly what's going to happen per usual, um, which I like. The Mandalorian has always been a great way to surprise us with things that we don't expect from Star Wars. So that, that this is all to say I'm very excited for Mandalorian Season 3 coming March 1st. I don't think... It, it's it's weird, honestly. It's, it's really weird to see this show be coming out in March. But... Again, it's the Mandalorian. It's Star Wars. And as long as it's good, I'll be there. I'll be watching. I I'm excited for this show. I really am. So uh, bring it on, guys. Bring it on. Let's consider this our This Week in Woke segment. Although This Week in Woke, a lot of people know what this show is and its reputation because it has gained a fast reputation. But I want to talk about the reaction to it and why it's a little uh, perplexing the way that things have turned out for this show. Velma. Yep, we're talking about Velma on the Vince Salerno podcast. <laughs> so Velma is a, if you, in case you've been living under a rock, Velma is a prequel adult animated series on HBO Max about... Who else? Velma from the Scooby-Doo films and covering her origin story told her way featuring a race swapped Shaggy named Norville, uh, a race swapped uh, Daphne and a um, soy boy white supremacist idiotic douchebag replacing Fred. <laughs> I hate it. 
I haven't watched the show. I haven't really talked much about the show. Um, I've been watching um, Desperu's uh, analyses of uh, the series because I don't think anybody has done an analysis of these these episodes, this series, better than he has. He truly, uh, he crafts a, a, a narrative as far as what's wrong with the with the discussion, like things that come out weekly and how he he crafts a narrative around not just reviewing the show, but the outward dialogue about the show and the writers and the creators and their insecurities. It's a, it's, he does an amazing job. So if you really want to keep track of this show without actually watching it, watch Desperu because he does a great job at that. But, um, so we, we know that Velma is a woke dumpster fire. Um, also like who, who thought, it was a good idea to take a children's show, Scooby-Doo, and make it into an adult series. I mean, I know that adults love Scooby-Doo, but that doesn't mean adults want to watch their favorite characters act like horny teenagers. It's creepy. It's actually insanely creepy that this show exists, because obviously Velma, Daphne, Fred, and Shaggy, they're teenagers. They've always been teenagers. They've always been portrayed as teenagers throughout the series, and this is over-sexualizing them to a degree that is just very inappropriate and, and, and very, I mean, groomers. We have groomers working on making cartoon show, a cartoon, uh, beloved cartoon characters into horny teenagers and talking about um, identity politics, white supremacy, um, um, race issues, the patri excuse me, the patriarchy, all these just, just really annoyingly disgusting things that the left and these leftists, these activists that have infiltrated, um, film studios to enact their own, um, uh, insecurities and fantasies and agendas. It, it, it's disgusting. It's just, it, it annoys the hell out of me. Um, but never, but the downside to all this is not the fact that it's woke. It's the fact that people have talked about it to death. And as a result, it seems like HBO has taken advantage of the dialogue surrounding this show and have greenlit it for a second season. Uh, this is a tweet from Comic Book Resource. Despite largely negative reviews... Velma won its debut week, beating out fellow HBO series, The Last of Us. So despite all the negative talk, the negative reviews, because people would not shut up about this show and just acknowledge that it looks like trash and move on with their lives, people are talking about it to death. And because people watched it to hate watch it, I assume, because people watched it to, or because people tweeted about it constantly. It's been trending for God knows how long. Because of that, HBO, Warner Brothers Discovery has, have probably thought, oh, wow, this is a really sneaky way for us to, to, to green light a season two. We showed them, thanks for unintentionally giving us the leverage we need to keep this crappy show going. Well, let me propose something that will help us to avoid situations like this. 
if something comes out that is woke, that is trash, that is garbage, that is apprehensible, that is that is degrading to the characters it's portraying to the legacy of the series, don't talk about it. Don't watch it. Don't even acknowledge its existence. Let the show fade into obscurity instead of talking it to death. Because then you let the studios use that as leverage to keep destroying the things we love. So, yeah, that's the simple answer to, I think, this problem. Don't talk about it. I'm not saying don't review it. I understand there are there are outlets, there are people, individuals on YouTube who make a living off doing this, talking about things. That's fine. I'm not saying don't review the show. But if you're just an average audience listener and you really want to impact change and you want to make sure that crap like this doesn't see the light of day, you find out Velma is coming out. It's a woke series. It looks terrible. Acknowledge it's be- it's be- looks bad and then stop talking about it. Ignore it. it. It comes out on HBO Max. Don't even watch it. Don't even click on it. Don't tweet about it. Just let it fade into obscurity as people understand, wow, this is awful. This looks like a horrible show. And then it'll just the negative reviews from critics and audiences on, you know, the proper channels will send a signal to the studios, hey, maybe we shouldn't produce this type of stuff because maybe people don't actually like it. No one's watching it. No one's even talking about it. Maybe we shouldn't do a season two. Maybe this didn't work. This is not the direction the Scooby-Doo franchise should go in. This is not a good thing. Instead of talking it to death on Twitter, we understand that Mindy Kaling is a seemingly very insecure person to the point where she had to self-insert herself into a character that really does not resemble her in any way and then project her insecurities onto this character and make every main character in the show like her. Like, I understand all that. I get it. And I'm not saying don't watch the show at all. Look, if you want to watch the show months after it's come out or even weeks after it's come out, I mean, with a show, you'll have to wait months just not to... There is a window where studios need you to watch the show, where studios need you to go out to the theaters and see their movies or watch them on streaming. And that is the time where you should not watch. Because that's when they need you to watch. They need you to watch when the show debuts. So people can say, wow, people have been waiting for this for so long. They can't wait to watch it. And they can't wait to watch it again. You know what happened with Lightyear? When the reception came out about the LGBT kiss and all that crap that they put in the movie. Not not, not to mention, that's not the only reason why that movie did not succeed. I mean, there are a lot of reasons. Tim Allen... Um, not being involved was definitely a factor. It wasn't really a bothersome thing to me. I knew that Chris Evans was brought on to, to be a different version of Buzz Lightyear, but I think Tim Allen not being part of the film hurt the film. Anyways, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get a tangent on Lightyear. That's a whole nother story for another day. 
But Lightyear failed because people just stopped talking about it. No one saw it. Anybody who did see it made up that $50, $75 million that they made at the box office, which became a bomb. And then their numbers on Disney Plus were atrocious from what I've heard. I didn't see it in the theaters. I did end up seeing it, but I waited weeks. I think actually I waited a whole month after it came out on uh, streaming and, and, and uh, physical media before I, before I watched it. I still got to do a full review for that show, so stay tuned for that. But the point I'm tr- the point I'm trying to make here is that, like, as an as audience members, we have we have the power to influence this type of change to make sure that this type of garbage doesn't see the light of day. Your viewership matters, and that's why if something woke comes out that does not align with your values. If it comes out, don't see it. If you got to see it, just wait. Just wait a little bit. That'll be a real litmus as far as whether you actually want to see it even. That'll be a a good litmus test for whether you even want to see it. I mean, I waited uh, weeks before seeing Thor Love and Thunder and Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Then when it came time to, you know, deciding, oh, do I still actually want to see this? I thought, nah, no. I've heard it. I've heard they're both not that good. Um, I'm not a fan of, of of what Marvel is doing right now with a lot of their movies and shows. So no, I'm not going to see it. And I didn't. And um, there are a lot of people like me, like this, who thought the same thing. And you know, they influenced the box office. Wakanda Forever did not surpass Black Panther at the box office as a sequel should. Thor Love and Thunder did not surpass the previous films at the box office, as a sequel should. Lightyear was, as far as I can tell, is is the lowest performing... Actually, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's that's true. Lightyear is the lowest performing Toy Story film to date at the box office. You, you, You as an audience member have so much sway over these things, more than you realize. When you don't support things that don't align with your values, or just wait, if you really want to see it, if you just wait a couple weeks, a month even, that has a lot of power. That's how shows get canceled. That's how movie franchises die. If you take a stance, put a line in the sand. If we don't want to see crap like this see the light of day, we have to stop talking about it and stop talking about it to death. Because that is how, because then, like I said, then the studio will see that as, as reception, positive or negative, people are talking about it and they want to see more. They want to keep that dialogue going. So they're going to green light a season two. So this crap will continue to be regurgitated into the culture. This is how we influence the culture. This is how we influence change. You as an audience member have so much sway. Use your power. Use your influence over these studios to tell them, show them, you're going to put this garbage out. Well, we're not going to see it. We're not going to talk about it. We're not even going to acknowledge its existence. We're going to let it fade into obscurity so that you don't don't get to use 
are overanalyzing, overtalking against us to continue this desecration of this beloved franchise. And I'm not saying this as a huge Scooby-Doo fan. I do love Scooby-Doo. Um, I know of people who love Scooby-Doo and hate this show. And they are not guilty of this. The people who I know are not guilty of this. But um, look at, I mean, look at the Scoob movie. I hated that movie. I mean, it's not horrible, but it's definitely not what the franchise needed. And, and there were a lot of questionable choices made in that film. But people, people didn't watch it. People didn't see it. It wasn't. It was reviewed by people who didn't like it. And I know that it has its fans out there. I understand that. But for the most part, the film was a failure because nobody watched it. No one talked about it. So that's how you. That's how you influence change. Don't 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 forget as an audience member how much power you have over these studios. They work for you, just like your government should work for you. It doesn't really, but you know what I mean. These studios work to entertain you. And if they don't get the message, keep sending that message until they get it, because they exist on your dollar. And your dollar, your voice, your opinion has so much more power then they want you to believe. It matters, so act like it. And I promise you, if that happens, we will influence some pretty awesome change, I anticipate. I'm still waiting for James Gunn to release his DC slate, and he hasn't yet, so I'm hoping that next week that'll happen and we can talk about that um, I have some some special guests that I'm lining up to be on the show soon. Um, also, I, I know I talked about this show having a new look. I am working on some graphics still, so stay tuned for that. I'm also working on a new theme song with a uh, very close friend of mine that I'm excited to, uh, to show you guys how that's turning out. So um, more changes are coming to this show, rest assured. Um, so just be patient with me and you'll start to see those changes slowly implemented as I continue to be uh, more intentional about this show. Well, thank you all for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please um, uh, give this podcast a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, and subscribe to my YouTube channel where you can check out my short films, trailer reactions, and uh, clips from this episode and uh, future episodes as well. Until next time, folks, I hope you guys have a fantastic day. Thanks for listening. God bless and peace out.